almost the holy trinity of Australian sports stories. In 1947, the readers of the Australian magazine Sports Novels voted Les Darcy the greatest sportsman of all time, and this while Bradman was still batting. And as recently as the 50-year anniversary of Les's death in 1967, well-attended commemorative services were held and a memorial marking his birthplace in Maitland was unveiled by the former Governor-General, Sir William McKell. Just why the Darcy story has faded in the popular imagination, I know not. But I am certain that if given a chance to breathe in the 21st century, it will live again, as it deserves to. In terms of how to tell it, I kept coming back to a few lines that leapt out at me in the course of my research. Written by one T.J. Moran, in the Newcastle Morning Herald and Miners Advocate on the 20th of May 1967. It is difficult to write anything new about a champion who has been the subject of so many tens of thousands of words in numerous newspapers and magazine articles, and in at least three books. Someday, someone will collect the threads of the Darcy story and write about the times in which he lived, will tell of the tragedy and drama of a young life that became a legend and a symbol for and against, for all those people caught up in the turbulence of World War I, the conscription issue, the influence of the Irish Easter Rebellion of 1916, the Dr Mannix statements, the strong emotions that rocked Australia and that brushed on to a young man whose real conflict was that of love of family versus love of country. I do not, make no mistake, claim to be that person. And I encourage readers who get absorbed by the story to read Peter Fenton's Les Darcy and Ruth Park and Rafe Champion's Home Before Dark to fill out their knowledge of the Darcy tale. But again and again, in framing the story that is well known to the aficionados, I kept coming to the conclusion that you can't appreciate Les's story unless you really do have a basic understanding of the times in which he lived, of what the conscription debate was about, what Dr Mannix said, why the Easter Rebellion in Ireland had such an impact in Australia, and the consequent dilemmas the boxer faced because of all this. In terms of unearthing new material and expanding the narrative from my original portrait, I put considerable effort into researching the fate of those of Les's friends and contemporaries who made a different choice from him when it came to the Great War. Of those friends, I became fascinated with Eric Newton in particular, and in all the research I have done for all my books, no moment has ever hit me harder than when I put the pieces together and worked out what had happened to Eric. All those who attempt to tell the story of Darcy are hampered by the problem of working out what is myth and what is fact as you sift through successive layers of storytelling through every generation. To get around that, where possible I have gone to original documents and reports, I've also leaned most heavily on those publications with a track record of truth. In my view, two authors stand out in this regard. The first is Ruth Park's husband, the great Australian writer Darcy Nyland, who was named after Darcy and who spent many decades researching his story, often in the company of Ruth Park. After his death, she and her son-in-law, Rafe Champion, used that material to write the aforementioned Home Before Dark, and I thank Rafe for his encouragement and advice throughout this project. The second is a former postmaster from Newcastle by the name of Bob Power. In 1976, he wrote and self-published 
Fighters of the North, a finely researched account of boxers in the Hunter Valley around the turn of last century. And he followed this up in 1994 with an absolute gem of a book, The Les Darcy American Venture, which he also self-published. Mr Power's strength is that he has not only spent years ferreting out minute detail, but has also talked to many of the surviving protagonists, like Les Fletcher, Father Joe Cody, Tim O'Sullivan, and even the chief boatswain on the Hattie Luckenbach, a ship that was most significant in his story. For someone like me, trying to revive a story nigh on a hundred years old, with no contemporary survivors anywhere, it was a wonderful bonus to find that, though 97 years old, Mr Power was still hale and hearty, and was happy to help me in this quest to try and get to the essence of my subject. I warmly thank him for his generosity of spirit, and dips my lid to him as an author...